Well, we are in part three of our series on Acts, and as is common around here, I feel like I want to extend it, but we're on task, and I just want to finish with the book of Acts today and uh, remind you that we are reading through the book of Acts. Don't stop reading. I mean, I believe we're on Acts 21 this weekend, right around there. And don't stop reading. Go all the way and finish the book, even though the series is done. And I do want to remind you that uh, our campuses have had prayer meetings, and uh, five of the campuses have their prayer meetings on Sunday night, and uh, that are you go to the building. And I believe our St. Paul campus is doing it on Instagram Live. I'm not positive for that, but uh, that's like super cool if they are. All right, if they're not, they should. But anyways, all right. Um, I, here's the thing: uh, we are we are looking at this and saying we are we are wanting to be outward focused. As I look at the Book of Acts, I see the church is outward focused. It started with a little circle, got bigger, bigger, bigger. We talked about the circle getting bigger and bigger. And the church needs to stay outward focused. We have to. We have to continue to say, who's not yet here? If you remember, I did that, that sermon, Grandma's Tattoo. Uh, if you've not seen that one, it's worth watching online. But I talked about, here's to those not yet here. Let's go reach the lost people. Let's, let's be about an outward focused church that wants to expand the circle. And just reviewing for just a moment, we said we're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to expand the circle. And then last week we talked about we're going to step outside of our comfort zone and we're going to join what the Holy Spirit is already doing. The Holy Spirit's already doing something. He's preparing people. And we're going to join in that and see what he wants us to do. And today I want to just pick up on that thought and add one more thing and say this, that God wants strong churches that will change society. I really believe that. God wants us to have strong churches that will change society. When I look at the book of Acts, I don't see churches that stayed uh, out of the scene. I don't look at churches that hid their light, but rather exposed their light and, and actually went into some confrontation. And we're going to take a look at that today, that, that the church in Acts was growing and it was saying, we want to change society. We're going to go after this and we're going to bring the message of Jesus Christ out there and change society around us. Acts 17.6, remember last week we kind of focused on Acts 16 and 17. I'll pick up there again. In Acts 17, 6, they're looking for Paul. They're looking to find out what's going on. Where are these people that are preaching this message of Jesus Christ? And, and this is what it says. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason. See, Jason had been housing them. He had an Airbnb going. And so Jason was housing them. It says, and they, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And I can't help but think that, that phrase, these men that have turned the world upside down. You talk about changing society. These people were known for turning the world upside down. And I believe this. I believe we need churches that are powerful, that are changing people's lives, that are changing the culture around them, that are growing and saying, you know, hey, here's to those not yet here. Let's keep expanding the circle. Now, I, I want to build on some things that um, Bill Eason said in that book. I talked about transforming your city, and I, I loved it and used it for this series. I wanted to build on a couple things he said and uh, point out five things today about strong churches. Five things about strong churches using the book of Acts. And the first one would be this, strong churches confront evil. Strong churches confront evil. There's evil out there. There's darkness that is out there. And strong churches 
confront evil. It's part of what we're called to do. And in Acts chapter 16, we have the Apostle Paul there. It says, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. So she had an evil spirit and he, and he cast the evil spirit out of her. And then the owners realized this. The Bible tells us that they can't make any more money out of this girl being set free. And so they get upset. They bring Paul before the authorities. As they bring him before the authorities, they, they beat him then and they throw him in jail. You have all this going on. He gets thrown into prison. He's, he's chained up, but he's confronting the evil that was there. He's confronting. Now we know if you know the Bible and you know the story, he's in jail and he's singing how many just would, by show of hands here at all your campus, if you were thrown in jail, you would start singing worship? Yeah, like four of us. Yeah, the worship team. All right, yeah, that's it. <laughs> worship team. They're going to write new songs. Probably the best they've ever written, but anyways. They're in jail, and they, they just start praising God. It says the other prisoners were listening, and then the Lord sends an earthquake, opens all the doors. The jailer thinks it's over because everybody's going to escape, and Paul's like, don't worry, we're not leaving. The jailer then is like, what must I do to be saved? What kind of faith do you have? I mean, you're out there confronting evil. You're thrown in jail. You're, you're singing praises to God. You have a chance to escape, and you don't escape. This is an amazing thing. Now, I point out the reason he was thrown in jail was because he, he had the ability and the desire to set this girl free. He, in the name of Jesus, he cast the demon out of this girl that had been enslaved. And her handlers were making all sorts of money on her. I mean, and the interesting thing, they weren't angry that she was set free. They were angry. Why? Because they were losing their money. Isn't that crazy? They're like, we can't make any money. What are, what are we going to do with these guys? And, they, and, and, and they're upset and they throw them in jail. And as we read this story, you might think, well, I, I don't want to be thrown in jail. I don't want to have that confrontation. You can't be afraid of confronting evil. We're called to confront evil. You have to go and say something and speak out against things that are evil. Edmund Burke said this, for evil to triumph, it's only necessary for good men to do nothing. We can't be afraid. I know sometimes people are like, I don't want to step out. I don't want to confront it. I don't want any problems. I'm telling you this, 1 John 4, 4 says this, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who's in you is greater than the one who's in the world. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I mean, I don't have to worry about this. He's going to take care of me. And that means that our church is going to confront evil. It's going to confront, confront racism and domestic abuse and human trafficking and pornography and abortion and illegal drugs and violence. We're, we're confronting evil. That's, that's part of what we do. We support ministries like A21 and Teen Challenge and Lewis House and Project Rescue and Messenger International and on and on and on. And some of these people ask for prayer because they say, hey, these people don't want to lose the people stuck in human trafficking. These people are abusers. These things are wrong. And we're, we're saying we're going to stand with you. We're going to stand with you in this. We are going to confront darkness and evil. Even though it's dangerous, we're going to do it. So we're called to do. It's interesting. Jesus said, like, you know, like that we should go out there. And then he, he told us this. And without him, we would be in big trouble because this is what he said. He said, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Yay, team, you know, well, sheep. 
And he says, therefore be as shrewd as snakes and innocent as doves. And, and without God, I don't like our odds as sheep with wolves, okay? But he said, there's a plan going on here. There's something bigger than you can realize. I'm going to show up when you're weak and I'm going to take care of you. And I think we have to step up and do something. And many of us want to say, that's not my problem. It's not my problem. But I think about a, a man that I met just the other day. I had dinner with him. He came and spoke at North Central University, Roger Wong. Roger Wong is in the Tenderloin neighborhood of San Francisco, a very rough neighborhood. He was there. He was, he was not in ministry. He was just a business guy going through the, the neighborhood, and he happened to see a young man being beaten up. And he thought, I, I can't get involved. I can't get involved. And he just drove away. And then he said, the Holy Spirit said to him, what would you do if that was your son? He said, you'd have stopped the car and you'd have helped your son. You'd have risked your life if it was your son. And Roger said, he's getting this download from the Holy Spirit. And he said, I'm sorry, Lord. And the Lord said to him, they're all my sons. They're all my daughters. I need you to get out of the car and get involved. The next day, he starts a, a ministry in the Tenderloin neighborhood and start a church. He told me this at dinner. He said, I just looked for a, a vacant building because I had no money to pay rent. And he said, I just started church in a vacant building. We had no electricity. We had no bathrooms. We just had to go to the corner. You know, when that bathroom, when that building got too bad, we just found another vacant building. Now he owns buildings all over the Tenderloin neighborhood. And he's saying, I'm going to stand up for righteousness. And it started because God said, I need you. I need you to be somebody that will confront evil. That's evil going on there. You got to step up. A lot of people would walk away and say, not my problem. But he said, it is your problem. You're brought there to be light in this darkness. We got to do something. A prevailing strong church confronts the evil that is going on around it. And I want to point this out before we move on. Um, Paul was preaching the gospel first and then took care of this girl later. It's interesting. I, I didn't notice that until I was studying this week. And it, in Acts 16, it says, she kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed. And so I thought about this. We need to confront evil and there's the right day to do it. Doesn't mean the right year, okay? We might need to group together. We might need to circle our resources, get a strategy in place, figure out who's going to bail us out of jail. You know what I'm saying? Figure out a plan. But it's days. It didn't say this went on for years and years and years. And then finally, he saw this. It was a couple of days. So there is a thing. But the, the most interesting thing to me was he was preaching the message of Jesus. He was going there to preach the message of Jesus. And he also confronted the evil that was there. And I think we can do both at the same time. I think we can confront the evil and bring the message of Jesus. Don't just run out of here and confront the evil and not bring Jesus in. They go together here. And so I'm just praying that we'll be brave and we won't say, uh, it's not my problem. I just, you know, I remember when I was a little kid, um, grew up in Egan, and they brought in a drug paraphernalia store into Egan, and my mom found out about it. And she organized all the ladies in the neighborhood and got all the kids out there with signs. And we were marching in front of that drug paraphernalia store in Egan, you know, like, not in our town. Not. And then my mom was taking a camera and she was taking pictures of everybody that went in there. And she said, we're sending it to your boss and to your, you know, we're going to put this in the paper. And then the police said, you can't do that. That's against the law. So she said, what if I take pictures with no film in the camera? They said, that'll work. So she sat there, click, 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 click with no film. Yeah, click, 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 click. We're watching you. We're watching you. Man, that guy left and went to another city. He said, I'm out of here. 
Hey, sometimes you just got to rise up and confront evil, not in my city, not in my neighborhood, not right here. And if you're ever short of courage, just call my mom. All right. Another thing, strong churches use culture to reach culture. Okay, we talked about it last week in Acts 17. He said, I see you have an altar here to the unknown God. There were all sorts of them. Remember, we talked about the sheep that laid down. And he used culture. And he said, hey, this is going to relate to you. I'm trying to, I, I, I'm relating to you. I'm trying to understand you. I mean, he talked to them. He listened to them. He used the culture that they had. He said, I see you have these altars. I see you have these things. He even does a quote. He's like, um, as some of your poets have said. So he's aware of their culture. And he brings back like, oh yeah, your, your, your poets have said this. I mean, today we could stand up for Jesus and, and we could, you know, use things that are in culture. We could say like, hey, we're going to stand up for culture. We're going to stand up for Jesus Christ. We're going to send it. We're going to do a full send. We're going to do this. About eight people were culturally relevant right there. The rest of you just, you know, I'm trying to figure out what will work. But anyways, that's too relevant. Don't worry. Now you're cutting edge. Send it. Full send. All right. We're not changing the message. We're connecting the dots. We're using culture. Sometimes we use music. Sometimes we use a movie. Sometimes they use an illustration. Sometimes we use a, uh, we're trying to use culture to connect. Like our Reclaim the Table that we're doing. We're doing that Reclaim the Table and we got these little cards. I mean, we're trying to use culture. We're trying to connect with people and saying, hey, the, the table, you've lost the table. We're connecting with something in culture and saying, hey, we've got a message that will help you, that will be able to do this. Let's use culture. Let's go out there because that's what Paul did and he used it to reach people. And I think a strong church will do that. We've got to be careful that we use culture and we don't get used by it. Okay? We need to be culturally aware but not affected by it. All right? We've got to be careful. All right? And sometimes standing out is more important than blending in. We've got to know where we're at on this. But use culture to reach them. Another thing that strong churches do, strong churches grow. They grow and grow and grow. Week one, we talked about 3,000 were added to the church and more people were added to the church and they multiplied. And now we saw the text that said the whole world is being turned upside down. Why? Because they were multiplying. And that's something we believe that you should be growing and multiplying. This uh, a thing just came out this past week. Again, a survey of, of 380,000 churches in America. And they said River Valley was the 81st fastest growing church. One of the churches we've been coaching was the number one fastest growing church in America. And I, I, I see that. I say, praise God for that. But I'm telling you this, we're not growing to win awards. We're growing to win the world for Jesus. That's why we're growing. We're growing because I see that strong churches grow and they keep moving forward. And I don't find one spot in there where they're like, hey, we were in Ephesus and we left because they wanted to know everybody's name and the church was getting too big and they couldn't know everybody's name. So we just left. We went to a different city. I don't see that Paul says, hey, I was in Philippi and they were opposed to multi-site and reaching more people. So we just left and said that was good enough. A couple hundred and we're good. No, they were like, we wanted to add more. And we wanted to add more. And you know what? That church sent out more people. And that church sent out more people. And they sent out more and just kept growing and growing and growing and reaching more people. Man, that's our heart. Our heart is there are more people to reach. There are more services to start. 
I'm praying that you will not just use reclaim the table as like, oh, I should have brought somebody. I'm praying you'll, you'll say, man, I needed to bring somebody so that they could hear this. I wanted to expand the circle. I wanted to keep growing. And we're, gonna, we're not going to stop growing. There was a prophetic word spoken over our church years ago. And many of you are not familiar with it. So I want to just read part of it. It was, it was called running downhill. And I read it over the church. The Lord spoke a prophetic word to one of our elders and I read it over our church. And I believe as I read it, it, it doesn't end. There's no expiration date. So it just said, get ready. Momentum is now set. Hang on, don't stop. Don't look back, run with purpose. And then I, I just read a couple highlights. It says, my plan is that you run downhill. Don't stop running and don't fight my momentum. Cooperate, start running and never quit. Then it says, cooperate with the momentum to believe more, do more, reach more than ever before. And it's interesting, in the prophetic word, there's an, a, a scripture from Acts. It says, and the message of God kept spreading and the number of disciples multiplied greatly. Some will say, you've done enough, slow down, be satisfied. But I say, believe for more so you can do more and reach more. It's not time to stop. It's not time to slow down. It's time to cooperate with momentum and run downhill. You have a willing heart, you have an aim. So run, run downhill. We're not stopping. Well, I, there's, no, there's no time stamp on this. I'm claiming it again. Let's run downhill. Let's run with momentum because that's what strong churches do. When I, when I see the book of Acts, they keep growing. They keep growing. They keep growing. They keep growing. And that's what we've got to do. We've got to add and continue to grow. Strong churches are in the missions. When I look at the book of Acts, I see that strong churches are in the missions. I mean, Paul's missionary journeys are all throughout the book of Acts and you can trace them. You could see on maps, you could Google that and say, well, Paul's missionary journeys and you could see the different journeys of where he was going, that he was always going. But you may not realize this. The Bible doesn't give us the account of these guys, but the historians do. And the whole group of disciples was like, we are going. We've got Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts of the world. We're going to go. We're going to go and go. Andrew went to Bulgaria and Georgia. Bartholomew went to India. Matthew went to Iran. Peter went to Italy. Lucky. I mean, the best food. Okay. Anyways. <laughs> Philip goes to Turkey. Thaddeus went to Iraq, Turkey, Syria, Iran. You hardly hear anything about him. And yet he's going to four. I mean, he's like the founder of live dead right there. Thomas is going to Afghanistan. I mean, the whole church is going outside the circle. I want him to put that slide back up again uh, that we put in week one about the circle, Jerusalem, Judea. All right, right now, those countries I'm mentioning, we're, we're leaving the circle. The church is expanding and it's growing. And this was just with the founders, with the apostles that were there. And they were saying, let's go, let's go, let's go. Let's continue to believe in this. The Bible tells us in the book of Acts that they gathered up money and they sent people. The Bible says it seemed good for them to separate them for the work of ministry. And they laid hands on them and sent them out. The book of Acts talks about the church council is trying to figure out like, what should we do for all these people that are coming in? We want to make it easy. We don't want to burden them with too many rules. So let's make it easy, but let's make sure that they understand because we want to expand this circle. The circle has to continue to go and they're giving and they're giving and they're giving and they're going and they're sending. That's what's happening in the book of Acts. And I will say this because we're our strong church. We absolutely love missions. 10% of every dollar that comes in in the tithe goes to world missions. 
When you tithe $100, $10 goes to world missions. That's how we support our missionaries immediately. On top of that, we have kingdom builders, which is over and above. And we give to that, but I believe this, God wants us to become kingdom builders. We're like, I am on mission for you. I am here on this earth to do more with my skill set and my finances for your glory. That's why we do global teams. That's why we want to send out 500 missionaries. That's why even as simple as this, when we taught that series made for Mondays, come on, you are a missionary to Target, to Best Buy, to 3M, to the U of M, wherever you're at. I almost said control data. Are they still around? I don't think they're around. They used to be. Come on, you're a missionary. You're you're there. And I know you're not sent out in that way, but you know what? You were on mission for God to go reach people. God has you places that I can't go and others can't go, but he's put you there. And that's really home missions that we do as a part of an outreach of our church. You don't need monthly support, but those people that go to other cultures, they need that monthly support where we send them and we say, we are about this. That's why our, our kids' ministry is called Go Kids because it's a, it's a great commission word, a sending word, an action word. That's why we spent over $500,000 to send our juniors and seniors on the global team this year because strong churches believe in missions. That's what I see from the book of Acts. And the last one, this one will not be very popular, but I have to say it because I see it in the book of Acts. Strong churches are prepared to suffer for the gospel. Strong churches are prepared to suffer for the gospel. I'm not stepping into suffering on purpose, but if suffering finds me, I'm not running from it. And when I look at the Bible, I mean, Paul didn't like intentionally try to find suffering like, hey, let's go to this town, let's get beat up. He didn't try to do that. But he went into towns and they rejected the message and they beat him up. And in 2 Corinthians 11, he gives the list. Paul says, are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more, I've worked much harder. I've been in prison more frequently. I've been flogged more severely. I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. I mean, think about that. Whipped five different times. He said, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily, the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I do not feel weak. Who is led into sin? And I do not inwardly mourn. He's like, hey guys, I've been through it. I've been through it. And, and I'm thrilled for what I get to do for Jesus. He's, he's, he's saying, I want you to be like this. I want you to go. I want you to spread the message. He's like, I wish you, don't, don't wish that you're in chains, but man, be willing to go and to spread the message. Paul's willing to suffer as he's heading to Rome, as he's expanding the circle, as we showed. He's getting ready to go to Rome and people are prophesying to him and they're saying, you're going to suffer. You're going to suffer. There's one prophetic moment where they take the, the robe band off and does it around their hands. They're like, this is what's going to happen to the person that goes to Rome. You're going to be led away in bonds. And he's like, I don't care. I don't care. And in Acts 21, verses 13 and 14, he says, Then Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he would not be dissuaded, he gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. 
Man, in Acts 20, verse 24, he said, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. He's saying, I'm, I'm on mission. I'm willing to suffer. I'm willing to go through this and say, I, I'll stand up for you, God, no matter what comes my way. Just this past week, I, I had a breakfast appointment and it was with a, a, a missionary from out of town and I was at the restaurant waiting for breakfast and, and missionary didn't show up because his GPS took him downtown Minneapolis to Nicollet and then his phone died. So I'm just sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. And I look over and there's a guy that I knew um, from Apple Valley Rotary and he was sitting there waiting. I said, did none of your friends show up? He goes, nope. I said, well, none of mine, we're friends now. All right, let's go. So we had breakfast together and we started talking about ministry and life and getting caught up on things. And then I told him about the, the board that I'm on with Live Dead Ministries. And I talked about Live Dead and he just looks at me and he's like, wait, 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 explain this to me. I said, these people are willing to suffer for the Lord. They're willing to go to places that the United States government says, stay away from those places. Don't go there. We can't rescue you. We can't keep you safe. They've already said my life as if, as if I'm dead. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to bring the message. I'm willing to suffer. I'm not saying I want it, but I'm willing to go wherever God has called me. And he looks at me as we're eating our breakfast and he just says, I don't know if I could do that. I said, you could. He goes, no, I, I don't know. He goes, I've got it so easy here. I've got such an easy faith in America. I, I don't know if I could do that. And I said, you could. I said, I believe God would give you the grace to stand up in that moment. I believe your faith is real and he'd give you the strength. And if he's watching now online, you would stand up for him. We, the strong church says, if suffering's part of the deal, I'll suffer. I'll suffer. I, I don't want to suffer, but I will suffer. I will not deny you. I will stand for my Lord and Savior. I will not back down. I'm going to say, God, if suffering brings you glory and honor, then I will suffer for your glory and honor. That's what a strong church does. It's willing to say, we stand up in this. And if that means suffering, and I, sometimes I'm so worried about the church in America because we, we don't have much suffering. And I'm not saying bring it on, but when I go to other countries and I watch these people that suffer, that literally suffer, I see the strength of their faith. And I say, God, strengthen us. Strengthen us. Help us to be a strong church that's willing to suffer. However it is for us here that we're willing to suffer. I close out with this in Acts 28. Last chapter ends with these two verses. Acts 28, verses 30 through 31. Be sure to finish the reading and get all of Acts in you. And it says, for two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. That's how it ends right there. Acts 28 just kind of ends right there. Now, Luke doesn't tell us how Paul died, but it is believed, historians tell us, that in all likelihood, Paul died in AD 67, that Nero beheaded him. Now, we don't know that for sure, but there's several different accounts that point to that point. It doesn't give his death, and it just leaves it there, but I'll give you a couple things Luke does give us right here. When it closes that he, he taught about the Lord Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance, that was actually a phrase in their day and age that was saying he was doing it and he had the victory. He was doing full send. 
He was there. You, you know what? It was legitimate, real, and he was in victory. He might have been in a house under house arrest, but he was living in victory. And don't you doubt that however it ended for him, Paul was living in victory. That's a pretty amazing way for Luke to end it, but then he doesn't really end it. It's like a movie that ends like you're wondering what the sequel is. And we are part of the sequel. We're right there. We're part of it. We're in this thing. Hey, it's still to be written. It's still to be finished. The, uh, a church that started with 120 in an upper room that burst on the scene with 3,000 that started to expand the circle. And by the time Paul dies, it's numbering in the tens of thousands. It's about ready to take off like wildfire and go throughout the world and eventually get to you and I. And right now today be numbered in the billions. But it's not done yet. It's not done yet. There's still time for us to say, God, we desire to be a strong church. We desire to say, do it again. What could happen? Could you do it again? Could you continue to grow? What could you do in this church? What could you do in, in our hearts and in our lives and the missionaries that we support and the other churches that we coach and the other people that are on this journey with us, God? Do it again. And I'm praying that we'd be a strong church for His glory and for His honor. So Lord, I'm just praying right now that we'd be a strong church. You've empowered us to expand the circle. God, we step outside our comfort zone to reach people that you're already working on, God. And so we thank you for that. And now, Lord Jesus, we're just in this spot and we're saying, God, help us to be a strong church, full of growth, ready to go for it in any way that you want, realizing that we're outward focused and we're saying, God, help us to reach more people. God, do it again, do it again. Don't let Acts just be a history book for us, but let it be something that spurs us forward and says, God, help us to grow your church, to revive your church, to move it forward. There's still more to be done. And we believe this, we agree with this, and we proclaim it today. Do it again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.